Well, praise the Lord, everyone. It's great to have you today. It's great to you that are joining us online tonight. I'm so thankful that you're a part of God's house in this format, either online or in person. I'm looking forward to this coming Sunday. You don't want to miss this coming Sunday, 1035. Man, we had a powerful service this last week from our pastor from India. He was wonderful, and uh, I appreciate all your love and support. We have so much going on. I believe God is going to move us forward. Let's dive into the word of the Lord tonight. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus came. How many are glad Jesus came? Amen. Uh, we are so glad he came to help us see so we could be more like him. I don't know about you, but I want to be more and more like Jesus. It's my prayer. It's what I live my life to be. And I pray tonight that you will set that as your standard, to be more like Jesus. So we're going to look at how Jesus came to help us see. See, that we can see through his eyes, see in the spirit, see things like he sees them. And in doing so, we will learn and see how to be more like Jesus. So let's dive into the book of John. The book of John, chapter 9 and verse 39. You're going to want to pull your Bible up and maybe underline some things tonight. I'm going to read a passage here in John chapter 9 and verse 39. Now, in this first passage, I'm going to read in the King James, and then I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. So let's read verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world. They which see not might see, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Let's read that in the New Living Translation to get a clearer view of what is being written here in John chapter 9 verse 39. And Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Those that think they see, they're really blind. But those that are blind, they can now see. Jesus said, I came that the blind might see. So tonight we're going to dive in and see and look at how Jesus came to help us see better, see better in the spirit realm. So Jesus came first and foremost to change people's lives. How many believe that tonight? If you believe that, give me a thumbs up on the uh, on, on your comments down there. Amen. Jesus came to change our lives. He didn't come to set up kingdoms. We know that that wasn't true. The disciples thought that maybe he did. And of course, we know that there was arguments about who's going to be first in the kingdom. But Jesus came to set up a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom of God that would be eternal and forever. And that was through the lives that he interacted with and the change that came after that interaction. That's what he came to do. He came solely to seek and to save them that are lost. He came to give freedom to people who felt trapped. Amen. He comes to give forgiveness to those of us who feel guilty. And he comes to give a future to those that feel helpless. Those that have no hope. I'm so thankful that God came. We're entering into a season of Thanksgiving. We're entering into a season where we're going to celebrate Christmas and His coming. Tonight we're going to continue to look at how He came to set us free. 
to make us uh, forgiven, to allow us to know that we have a future and we're not hopeless. Amen. So we look at John chapter 9. We're going to go back into that chapter as we look at some things, um, some other things that Jesus came to do. We're going to look at how he came to help us see, see, see. Uh, the last few months, um, I have had a lesson in sight. Um, I had a retina, uh, my retina in uh, my right eye, both, I actually had two tears in my retina in both my eyes, and I went blind in my right eye suddenly. I woke up one day and I was blind mostly, had a little sight in the top of my eye, and uh, it was scary, it was unbelievable, and it was something that I was not sure of what was next, I didn't know what was happening. And of course I went to the doctor, and it was interesting that the doctor had to repair my eye, but in doing so, he inserted a, a bubble of gas in my eye that made me literally see worse than I was seeing before. He had to correct my vision by blocking my vision. And I'll tell more about that, but Jesus came to help you see. And sometimes the way he wants you to see in your life, you think that he's blocking what you want to see. You think that he's trying to take you away from the things that your flesh desires. And he is. He's trying to help you to see as he sees. See into the spirit realm, not just the natural. In John 39, Jesus told him, I enter into this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they see that they really are blind. I got a question for all of us tonight, and I would ask this of you. What would you love to see God do in your life. I want you to pause for a second. I want you to think about this. What would you love for God to do in your life? What thing, what item? Is it healing in your body? Is it salvation in your soul? Is it deliverance from an addiction? What is it that you believe that God can do and he will do if you can open your eyes to the truth of what God has for you? So I want you to keep that question in your mind as we go forward. What would you love to see? What thing? Your child to come back? Your spouse to be renewed? Your life to be uh, brought back to a place of peace and tranquility? What would you love to see God to do in your life? In John 9, we learn God's process of building faith. John chapter 9 is, is one of my favorites in John, and you can look and read this at home, but I'm going to take you through this chapter and verse by verse just for a little while tonight and hopefully help you understand how the process comes to you, how God built or made this process so that you can build your faith, so that you can see like Jesus sees, and you can see him do what he wants to do in your life. So John chapter 9 and verse 1. Read with me as you will. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Blind from birth. How many know that we were born in sin? Amen. We were born in sin. We were born blind to eternal things. We were born blind to some things in the spirit. We were born in sin, and in sin, the psalmist says, we were conceived. So we know that we were born sinners. Like this man, we were born blind from birth. The Bible says in verse 2, Rabbi, his disciples ask him, why was this man born blind? Was it because his own sin or his parents' sin? 
And Jesus answered in verse 3 and said, It was not because of his sin or his parents' sin. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't punish us uh, for uh, uh, those kinds of things. He doesn't make our children bear our sin. Uh, that's not the way God works. Jesus answered, This happens so the power of God. How many believe that things happen in your life so the power of God could be seen in him? Not everything that's going on in your life is brought to you by Satan. God allows things, trials, tribulations, glory, uh, disappointment, all these things that happen in your life, they are for you. are God's child. You are a child of the King. And so you can see very quickly that God allows these things to happen so the power of Jesus Christ could be seen in Him. Verse 4 says... We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us, Jesus said. The night is coming. This is a preacher that wants to declare the night is coming. We must move quickly in this hour. The Bible says the night is coming when no one can work. But while I am here, Jesus says, in the world, I am the light of the world. Oh, hallelujah. How many are thankful that he came and he is the light of the world? He continues on in verse 6. Then he spit on the ground. This is such a, an amazing story. The Bible says there's this blind man in front of him and the disciples are watching and those around are, are, are thinking about what he's fixing to do. And he spits on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and then he picked it up and he spread that mud over the blind man's eyes. I'm sure that there were those that were there that day that thought, this is crazy. He's lost his mind. What is going on? But Jesus always has a plan. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you have to have the mud in your eyes in order to get the miracle that God wants for you. Sometimes you have to endure the mud in order to get the miracle. The Bible says he spread that mud over the blind man's eyes. And in verse 7 he says, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He came back seeing. Someone say amen. He came back with his sight. He was endured or did endure the mud. Maybe the embarrassment. Maybe what was going on. People snickering and laughing. Jesus though had a plan. He was showing the world exactly who he was through this lesson. He commanded the man to go wash. The issue here was obedience. Will you obey God even after he sticks mud in your eyes? So many of us get offended or we get upset or we think that God's being unfair to us because he allows mud in our life. Trials and tribulations, things that are ugly and stinky and nasty and dirty. God is here to tell all of us tonight that if you'll obey him, go wash in the pool. Go wash. Because when you do, like this man, he came back seeing, having his eyes opened. Verse 8 says his neighbors and others who knew him as the blind beggar ask each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Isn't, hey, isn't this the guy that used to sit on the side of the road? We've seen him for years. He was blind. How is, are, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? 
Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. It was so astounding that those that had seen him every day could not tell if this was the man or not. Verses 9 through 12, but the beggar kept saying over and over again, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus, hallelujah, made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash myself. So I went and I washed and now, and now I can see, now I can see there uh, where is he now, they ask. I don't know, he replied. The Bible says in verse 30 that they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. They drug him to church to the, to the religious people and said, Hey, we want to find out what's going on. How can you see? How is it that you really can see? Is this really the same guy? And he said, Yeah, this is me. I was healed by obeying God. Sometimes we think God's requirements are too great for us to obey. Oh, I'm going to preach. Sometimes we think that God's requirements, requirements about holiness, requirements about doctrine, requirements about living a, a righteous and holy, we think those are too high and too lofty and we, we think they're unreasonable. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't obey the commands of Christ, you're never going to receive the miracles that He has for you in your life. Obedience is the key here to this miracle. It helped Him see. Obedience. What do you want to see in your life? What would you love for God to do in your life? I'm going to challenge you tonight. Are you obeying the Word of God? Are you obeying the Spirit of the Lord and what He has asked you to do through His Word? Are you in rebellion or obedience? We look here and see in verse 14, because it is on the Sabbath that Jesus was made the mud and healed him, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes. This is the second time he's telling this story. And I washed it away. I could see. I'm, it's That was that simple. Can I tell you the miracle and the promises of God are not complex. They are simple. He simply obeyed what God asked him to do. Jesus said, go wash in the pool. And he went and he came back seeing. Verse 16 says, some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. This man, Jesus, he's not from God. No, no, well, he couldn't know because he is working on the Sabbath. Listen, listen to your pastor tonight. When our traditions become more important than Jesus himself, when our understanding, look, we worship the traditions over the Savior, God is speaking to us in this hour to love Jesus, obey Jesus, do what Jesus says, not what we've always done. Do what he's calling you to do. So he says, uh, he worked on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner, now they're calling Jesus a sinner, right? Do such miraculous signs. So there was a deep division of opinion amongst the people, amongst them. No, this guy's a sinner. No, he's not from God. No, he's from God. No, he healed him. No, this is a different guy. This is not the same guy. The other guy's somewhere around here. He's still blind. The Bible says in verse 17, Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded. When the world of religion demands things of you, you need to walk away. What's your opinion about this man who healed you? 
The man replied, I, I, I think he must be a prophet. Uh, and the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind. Look, they refused the miracle that was in front of them because they were more involved in their own politics, in their own religious aspects, in their own power base. Listen, the Bible says the Jewish leaders, they still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents and they asked them, we don't believe this guy. He's lying to us. Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? In verses 20 through 23, you can read yourself how his parents verified that yes, this is our son, and yes, he was blind, and yes, he now sees. In verse 24, I want you to pay close attention. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind. They called the man over and over. He repeats his story over and over. Not for the sinner, not for those that need salvation, but for those that were supposed to be righteous and religious, those that were supposed to be attuned to the Holy Spirit. They refused to believe that Jesus was God, that Jesus could make them see things and bring light to their life in a dark time. The Bible says they called the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this. Amen. He should. Because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. They throw accusation. They throw all this stuff onto Jesus and they're trying to, you know, hey, this guy is, you know, he's not who he says he is. The Bible says that the man answered them in verse 25. I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I do know this. Come on now, somebody. I don't know what he is, but I do know this. I was blind. I love this. And now I can see. I'm going to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the greatest evidence of his power and his work in our lives is I was once a sinner, but now I am saved. I was once blind, but now I see. I was once full of cancer, but now I'm cancer free. I was once full of anger and bitterness. Now I have peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I was once lost without hope, but now I have hope, not like others hope, but love and joy and peace is my hope. Jesus Christ is the answer. I don't know all about him, but I do know this. I knew what I was before I encountered him, and now I know what I am after I have encountered him. I was blind, but now I see. In verse 35, Jesus, when he heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He questioned the man. The man answered, Who is he, sir? I'm uninformed. I'm ignorant. I received something from you. I don't even know what it was. Jesus says, the man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Have you seen him? Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. He is talking to you right now. So many times we want to find Jesus when he's right with us. He's right in front of us. He's right beside us. In verse 38, yes, Lord, I believe. Do you believe? Are you a believer? Are you a believer today? Do you believe that God has brought you out and pulled you through many trials and tribulations? Do you believe that God has set you free from sin? 
Ah, you may not know everything about Jesus, but you know you're different than when you had before you encountered Him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And you can believe in Him because He is who He says. He's not a sinner. He's God incarnate in flesh. He walked among us. He died for our sins and He resurrected for us to have new life and eternal life just like Him. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. And he worshipped Jesus. I don't know about you tonight, but when I find myself in these places where I am overwhelmed in the awe of who Jesus is, I want to just lift my voice and my eyes and I just want to say, Lord, I praise you. I love you. I adore you. I thank you. Why? Because you have done all this. I don't understand everything. I don't have all the knowledge I need, but I do know that I'm different than when I came. I am different now that I've encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he worshiped him. It goes on in verse 39 and says, and Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. This is where Jesus is now talking to the blind man. He's talking to the man who just received healing. He's talking to the man that declared, Lord, I believed. And Jesus spoke further to him and said, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind. Now listen, this scripture takes on a whole different meaning when you realize he was talking to a man that was just blind. A man that had never seen in his life. He was blind from his birth. The things that he was seeing, he had never witnessed. He had never seen sunshine. He had never seen the hues of blue skies and green trees. He had never seen the golden brown sands. He had never witnessed. He had no imagination of what things looked like. And the first thing that he sees is Jesus. He sees him in a different light. He sees through the spirit, not just in the flesh. And Jesus speaks to him and says... I came to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see. Who was he speaking to? I'll tell you who he was speaking to. He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to the crowd that kept doubting the miracle. He was talking to those that claimed to be righteous but were religious. He was talking to those that were standing afar off, judging him as a sinner. I came to give sight to the blind. And to show those who think they see that truly they are blind. The Bible says in verse 40 that some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? <laughs> I can imagine Jesus thought, yeah, no duh, I am saying you're blind. Uh, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. You claim you can see. Can I ask you a question? Are you listening to people that can see or claim that they can see? Are you hearing people from the word of God or from their own thoughts and their own ways? Jesus is trying to speak to the man and the Pharisee, but he's really talking to you and me. Be careful that you follow Jesus and not the Pharisees. Be careful that you do not allow religious systems become a part of your life as truth. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. But allow Jesus 
to talk to you and show you the blindness that is in this world. Open my eyes, Lord. The prophet prayed to the young for God to open the eyes of the young man that he would see the chariots, the angels that encompassed around about them in that sieged city. Jesus Christ, in this hour, my prayer has been that the church's eyes would be opened, that they would see not what we've always had, but what is coming and where God is going. What is the next thing that God has for Pineview, for you, for your family, for the kingdom of God? We know that nothing will ever be the same. We know that tomorrow is going to be different than yesterday. But we also can understand that there is a blindness in our earth. I am going to speak it. There is a blindness in the, the religious circles that there is another way, another gospel. That you don't have to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be born again of His water and His Spirit. You don't need to declare the name of Jesus. There is another gospel that's being preached. But I'm going to tell you something. There's only one name given under heaven. There's only one gospel by which we must be saved. There's only one name that we must submit our lives to. And that name is Jesus Christ. Don't be blinded by convenience. Listen to your pastor tonight. Convenience has replaced commitment. Convenience has replaced confirmation or conformity to God's word. Reform yourself. Turn from our wicked ways. And be conformed not to this world, but to the word of God. The Pharisees were standing and they were indignant. Are you saying we're blind? And Jesus said, yeah, you're blind. You're blind. Because you claim you can see. After Jesus helped this young man to see, four things happened. And I want to just talk briefly about those four things. That helped faith come into this life. Helped faith grow in the life of this young man. This blind man who now sees. The same four things that need to happen in our lives. In your life and in mine. Number one. Number one, write this down. If somebody that's online with me will put this on the comment section, I would appreciate it so much. Listen, number one, break through either or thinking. You've got to break through either or. I am going to do this or that. God is trying to speak to us in this hour that our thinking, our mind, our between our ears is the battlefield of our soul. Watch this as I continue. The Bible said, who sinned? In verse 2, we read earlier, there was a, 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 a comment where Jesus, if you go back, you can look and see where, uh, let me read it for you just very quickly, where he says, uh, Rabbi, uh, uh, his disciples ask him, why was this man blind? It, was it because his own sin or his parents' sin? There was a thinking that there was an either or. Was it his parents or was it him? It couldn't be the fact that he was just born blind. It had nothing to do with an either or thinking. It had to be in their minds, well, either his parents sinned or he sinned. Jesus wants to break through your either or thinking. He wants you to break, I, I, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. No, Jesus Christ wants to open your eyes to the fact that he, you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. So the question became, who sinned? Watch this. Stop boxing God into a corner. Stop saying to yourself, 
It's got to be this or that. In the religious world, it can't be Jesus. It's got to be this or that. Because I've been taught this or that. I, it must be because... No, expand your brain into the Word of God and recognize that the Spirit is speaking to the church. Recognize that the Word of God is the ultimate... It is what we stand on. It is what we look for. It is what we study and show ourselves approved by. Not man's thoughts. Not a manual. Not those things. No. It is what God says. You see, they thought by the law that it had to be somebody sent. And Jesus said, it wasn't about him saying, take that out of your thinking. It's not either or. I want you to recognize there's another thing at play. And that what was it? It was the fact that this was for God to get his glory. This was so that we could learn, all of us, the lesson of the blind man and seeing what we have not been able to see. The Bible, we'll just keep going here, uh, and uh, so we, we find that, well, let's see what we got here. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to click through this. Um, so we find that Jesus says in verse 3, you're asking the wrong question. It's not either or, you're asking the wrong question. Watch this. Stop looking for someone to blame. Listen, in your life and in mine, we live in an hour where uh, nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. It's the truth. We all know it. We see it. Nobody wants to take responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. But in the kingdom of God, we've got to start looking ourselves in the mirror and realizing, this is me. This is what I have to do. This is what I am having to change. So stop looking for someone else to blame. The people were looking for somebody to blame. It had to be him or it had to be his parents. Jesus said it was neither. It was neither of those folks. So stop. God wants us to look to him for the third option. Remember say the type in the third option. Amen. Someone shout the third option. The third option. Amen. Because why? Because it hasn't just been categorized as either or. Jesus said, there's another thing. God wants to get some glory. The third, the third option, though, will always include the word change. 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 Change your view. Change your thinking. Change how you see the problem that's in front of you. Stop blaming others. Stop trying to make it religious. And start understanding that God wants us to take responsibility for the things that we need to take responsibility for. And realize that He's going to get the glory out of this if I will give it back to Him. If my issues, my problems, the things I'm going through, if I will put it on His altar, He will get the glory. My blindness will become sight when I obey His word and He will get the glory. The third option. Watch. He spit in the mud, made a mud pie, and wiped it on the man's eyes. And then he said, I want you to go wash in the pool of Shalom. We sometimes do not like, well, I'm going to state, we most of the times do not like change. We don't like change in our traditions. We don't like change in our lives. We don't like change. Lord have mercy, I don't like changing my breakfast cereal. Uh, we have things. I, I don't know about you, but going out to eat here recently, there's been so much change in every restaurant that the chicken tenders they used to serve are not the same chicken tenders that they're serving now. And you go, man, this is not what I remember. Things have changed. Menus have got smaller. There's less things available. And it's frustrating. It's, it's ugh, you just, it feels weird. And that's what God is requiring of us. 
to change so that we can have sight. Change your actions. Stop begging. Oh, come on now. Stop begging and start doing what God has called. Usually it's us. It's me who needs to change. In fact, 99% of the time. Number two, we must ask the Lord to help us. we got to cry out. This blind man spoke out. Hey, I need your help. But then after we cried out, we've got to be willing to obey the commands. I'm going to tell you something. One of the things of weariness that has come upon the ministry in this hour is that we are helping people find the altar and find the ways of God, but they are refusing to make change in their life. They really want to hold on to everything they have done or are doing and change. They want to bend the Word of God to their own conformity and their own wisdom and their own way. We're living in that hour. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be saved doing that. You're going to find yourself a victim of your own self-righteousness. We must not just cry out, but when God answers us and directs us, we must obey what He says. John 9, 7 says what? And He told him, go wash yourself he didn't say have somebody else wash you. He didn't say go find a, a, a fountain or a mud puddle. No, he had a very specific command. Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the men went, man went and he washed and came back seeing. You'll never come back seeing unless you obey the specific command of God. The specific command of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word. So many people want it. Well, I need the Lord to talk to me. I need the Lord to tell me this, that, or the other. He's already spoke to you through His Word. He's already given you the perfect plan, the perfect way, the truth, and the light. You've got to follow that. I've got to follow that in our lives. So listen, our miracles always start with obedience. Please write this down. Our miracles always start with our obedience. You cannot have the miraculous without obedience. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the absolute. The word obedience is not a word that humans like very much because when you obey something, it means you have to change something. When you obey something, it means not your will, but the person that's speaking to you. It's their will. It's their wishes. It's what they want. God's word has come to us. And while he came and he died on Calvary to save us from our sins, we cannot be saved unless we obey the word of God. Obedience is absolute. Jesus is here to help us. But if you do not obey him, you will not get the miraculous that you need. You cannot hold on to the things you think is important and God do what He knows He needs to do in your life so that you see the real important, the real important things. Not the things you think. No, you're blind. I'm blind. We need the sight of Jesus Christ to come into our life and that comes through the act of obedience. Obedience, obedience, obedience. He came as a king. Kings rule and reign. He came as the Lord. They rule and reign. There is not one place in us where God says, have a good time, do it yourself, do it your own way. No, we are commanded over and over to submit our lives, to be living sacrifices, to do things like Jesus has commanded us to do. Obedience is always the beginning of miracles. Blind men, the blind man's ordinary step of obedience allowed God to work an incredible miracle. 
just the simple obedience, just he said it, I'm going to go do it. That's what God's word has come to us. We love to lay the layers of the filters of the world. We love to do that because it makes us feel more like we're a part of, well, I have my own decisions and I'm independent and I've got freedom. Let me tell you something. The only freedom we have is in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. Amen. Look, are you willing to do something ordinary that says in a real way, I am totally unequivocally dependent on God for this miracle in my life? Are you in a financial need right now? Have you obeyed the word of God in concerning your finances? Are, are you honoring God in your finances? Are you needing a, a miracle in your health? Have you obeyed God? Have you allowed yourself to be spoken to by the man and word of God so that you can hear what the Spirit is trying to say and obey what the Spirit is commanding us to do? I, I'm really wanting to stress this you've got to put your total trust in god how do i do that pastor by doing the ordinary commandments of god we are commanded to pray are you praying we're commanded to fast are you fasting we're commanded to be baptized have you been baptized we're commanded to receive this beautiful gift of the holy spirit have you received that gift are we are commanded to be generous and to give of our time and our talent and our money have are you doing those things i would ask tonight if you're not you're not going to see the miraculous two warnings about this as we make these steps of faith towards god and watch god work in our lives two warnings number one don't confuse the method with the miracle do not confuse the method with the miracle. Not everybody is going to get dirt spit in their eye. Some, some. I need God to put mud in my. No, don't confuse God because He healed all the other people in very. It was the only time He spit in the mud and made mud pies and put in the eyes of anybody. Every miracle is individual. Do not think that a certain method. Well, I've got to go see that certain preacher. I've got to go that faith healer. No. You need to obey God in the ordinary things to receive the extraordinary miracle that you need. Don't confuse the method with the miracle. Don't worship the miracle. Worship the miracle worker. Don't worship the miracle. Don't be so elated about the miracle that you forget who did it for you, Jesus Christ. Number two, don't confuse your participation for God's power. What does that mean, Pastor? Don't confuse. So many times we think that we have a hold of something when we're praying for somebody and they receive something. It's not me. I am a vessel. So my participation was not needed. It was God that was needed, not mine. So you don't need individuals. You need Jesus Christ. You need Him to come. So don't confuse your participation. Well, I'm a, I'm a miracle worker now. I, I'm a healer now. No, you're not. You are an ordinary human who obeyed God. And they agreed in obedience and were healed. Give God all, not some, all of the glory that he deserves. Let's look here in number three. Look past what others cannot see. Look past, number three, look past what others cannot see. From verses 8 through 24, the former blind man pleads and tries to convince this group of people and the Pharisees that he was the man that was blind. 
They did not believe him. Can I tell you something? Just because others don't believe that your miracle is true doesn't mean it did not happen. You have to put your trust in God and not in the eyes, the words, or anything that comes from man. You have to recognize that I've got to look past what others... They might not be able to see the miracle, but God has shown me the miracle. They might not be able to see the coming deliverance, but I see the coming deliverance. They might not be able to see spiritual things. Can I tell you something? Stop talking to carnal people about spiritual things. Stop asking carnal people spiritual issues. Stop talking about carnal things, trying to solve them in the carnality of the world's problem solving when it is a spiritual issue. Listen to God, obey God, and do what He has already commanded you. Stop looking for others to uh, give you credence. Oh yeah, I believe it's true too. You don't need their credence. You don't need their approval. You need God. You need that vision. They doubted his miracle was possible. They didn't believe it. They didn't even, after they saw it, they didn't believe it, right? Don't let the past oh, blind you to the possibilities of your bright future. Don't let what was. You used to be the blind man. Didn't you used to sit and, and beg? You've never saw anything. Who do you think you are? He could not receive that from them and continue. He looked to the future. I don't know who he is, but I do know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. Don't let the past, the past blindness uh, blind you from the possibilities of what God wants to do. And don't let other people's voices blind you to what God can do. It is possible. Jesus Christ has given us his word that says all things are possible through him. Do not accept the lie of the world or Satan himself when it says it's not possible. Look at your life, believe and know that God said it, he's going to do it. Amen. So don't let others dictate through their voice and blind you to the fact that God can do the impossible. Man with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. In order to look past what others cannot see, you and I have to have a different kind of faith. The kind of faith that this man had. I love his answer to everybody. I underline that. John 9.25. One thing I do know. What in your life? I'm going to ask you. Saint of God, visitor, friend, guest, those of you here, those of online, I'm going to ask you one thing. What is the one thing you do know? Do you know that Jesus found you as a sinner and He cleaned you up and saved you and gave you new life, eternal life, when you obeyed His Word and you followed the steps of, of salvation? Did you, did you know? Do you still know? Are you still convinced that Jesus Christ is who He says He is? I was blind, but now I see. Number four, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Jesus Christ. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will bring it to pass. Trust Jesus. That's where faith happens. This man that Jesus healed in John chapter 9, he lets him go through a lot. He made him go 
endure him spitting in his face, right? Uh, spitting in the mud, putting mud and dirt all over his face. He, he made him endure some things. People laughing, people talking, people making fun. He made him endure some. He made him go down to the pool. Fine. A blind man had to find his way down to the pool and he had to bend down. He had to wash. But he, when he came back, all that suffering, all of that embarrassment was worth the journey because he saw what he never saw before. Too many times we get angry at God about the things he has us endure. I always think of the, the story of Job in the Old Testament, how he had everything and God took everything and he was trying Job. And Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. There is a spirit inside of this man that was inside of Job that should be inside of us. And that is, I trust the Lord with all my heart and I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. He made him go back down to the pool, made him come back, made him suffer the accusation of his friends and the leaders. And he even allowed him to be thrown out of the church. <laughs> Thank God. You're, you're hanging out with sinners. How can this be? You're not a part of us anymore question I have for you is why did Jesus let him go through all that? Why? 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 Ultimately, Jesus wasn't most interested in healing him of his physical blindness. Hear me. He wanted to heal him of his spiritual blindness. He wanted to heal him not for just this life, but for eternal life. He wanted to show him that you must have faith and you must obey. And through those struggles and difficulties, this man grew a genuine faith. Let me say that again. Through his struggles and through his difficulties, through his trials, through his tribulations, through his sickness, through his uh, disappointments, and through his embarrassments, God allowed him to develop a faith that was his own and was powerful. My last slide. Hear me tonight. How do I trust? I'm going to put this in your hands tonight as we close. How do you trust God? How do you trust Jesus with all that is going on? Number one, I believe we've got to admit, Lord, I am blind to what's really going on. Lord, I need help to see from the temporal to the eternal. I need help to see that it's not, it's not about just this life. It's about eternal life. Number two, pray and seek revelation of who Jesus is to you are you in personal relationship are you in love are you in relationship with jesus christ for yourself are you living off of grandma's prayers or mom or brothers or sisters or husbands or wives you've got to find jesus for yourself the blind man didn't have a relationship through the disciples no that's not how it happened jesus and him they had a conversation Number three, make a commitment to be a disciple. Make a commitment to be a disciple. In this hour, comfort has replaced commitment. I want to say this so loudly and so clearly. There are so many that God is calling to do great things if he could just get you off the couch. If he could just get you into a place where you can serve him in a place of obedience. Serve him in a place where you are in what? In love with Jesus Christ. He is calling us to make a commitment, not convenience, not a commitment to convenience, not a commitment to, well, I, I the, yeah, no, no, God is calling us to be uncomfortable that I might know him, Paul said, in the fellowship 
of his suffering. The time is now to stop playing church, to stop playing patty cake with Jesus, and become a true disciples. Because I'm going to tell you in this hour, there's coming a time, and it's already happening, where the sheep and the goats are being separated. And God, in this hour, is revealing to us, revealing to his bride, who's committed and who's just there for the loaves and the fishes. I pray tonight you receive me in love, but I'm telling you the truth. As your pastor, I am duty-bound by this word of God to speak truth to you. It's not time to be lukewarm because he's going to spew some of us out of his mouth. There's going to be some times in our life where we recognize if we don't commit to God in a wholehearted fashion, not in a, if it's convenient, I'll show up to church, or if it's convenient, I'll build my prayer life, or it's convenient, I'll watch on, online. No, God is calling us to a commitment in this hour. Let me tell you something. There's some, the, the next year is going to be full of, of spiritual famine. It's going to be full of some very hard things. It's being prophesied by prophets that I trust and believe are hearing from God. There is a financial storm, right? There is an economic storm. There is a war storm. There is a, what, a pestilence storm. There is more disease that is coming down the pike. Why? Because we are living in a world of sin. I'm asking you tonight, are you committed or are you waiting for the loaves and the fishes? I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the disciples that's passing out the baskets and helping those. The brother preached so wonderfully Sunday about this very thought, about having that place where you know he is your God and he is your king. Don't think and say, I can see it's no big deal because he said to this group, you're the ones that are truly blind. I pray tonight that you receive the word of God and start to make change in your life. Make change in your prayer, in your fasting, and in your study of God's word. In Jesus' name, I pray you receive me. Father, I ask tonight that you go before my words, that you touch every person that listens to this or watches this online. Father, I pray tonight that your word would be sharper than any two-edged sword. It would pierce the, the heart of men and women and let them know you came that they might have life. But they have to obey your word to receive that life. I pray tonight that you allow obedience to become the standard, commitment to become a part of our life, Lord, and that you would allow convenience to die down and comfort to leave our radar as a part of our everyday life. Let us live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're here tonight. I'm so glad you joined me online. Again, Sunday, 1035, don't, don't hesitate. Join me again right here. Or you can come, of course, in person. We're going to have a great time in God. God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you holy and blessed peace. God bless. Good night.